Welcome to MHBC Book Club. My name is Connor Alford. And I'm Ryan Von Cannell. Hey, MHBC. Welcome back to our uh, MHBC Book Club podcast. It's Sunday night at 6 p.m. And Ryan and I are excited to be meeting with you guys again. Once again, we're in uh, my office. You know, we got kind of used to it down here. We like the the comfortable chairs we get to sit in versus that table upstairs and so we're we're gonna hang out again in my office this week and and display my bookshelf which if you didn't know this every pastor just loves to display the bookshelf so you know I'm, I'm happy to be able to do it and glad that we're getting to meet here again Ryan yeah. you doing good this week man well, I'm doing good you know my favorite thing about being down here is right here next to me I just have a whole thing of dumb dumb suckers <laughs> all the flavors you could imagine uh, so it makes it much easier to do a podcast with that right next to you. I figured that you would be really excited about yeah, that. So. Absolutely. Um, okay, so one last thing we need to talk about, because you've done a different one every week, and I kind of go back and forth with mine, but yeah. every week, in, in case you guys haven't noticed, you might want to go back and look. Ryan has had a different coffee mug every time we've met. You know, we mm-hmm. r- around here, we run on the Holy Spirit firstly, but then also coffee is kind of next in line. And absolutely. so... Ryan, tell us about your mug today. That's going to be a so, new fast fact every morning. I, uh, I keep about, I don't know, seven or eight coffee cups here at the office with me, and I just rotate them through. They're all different things. This one, um, this side has Acts 242 on it, and it says, I don't know how to show that to you, real church right. on this side. Uh, it's a coffee cup from my, my childhood church, Hunter Street in right. Denver, Alabama, that I right. grew up at. And this was our theme one year. And really, I just keep it uh, here as just a reminder uh, of all the people who have poured into me throughout my life, my family, my friends, ministers, pastors, uh, and that really just all these people that God has used to shape me into who I am today. And it's just a good reminder of that. That's cool, man. Well, mine's a lot less spiritual, so you know, I feel a little guilty for that. I am, Mine is actually my Disney World coffee mug from the last time that I went to Disney World. I've got Epcot and, and Magic Kingdom and... I don't know all the other parks, Hollywood Tower, and uh, all these different things. And so, you know, when when we're going through the middle of a difficult time, it's just great to be able to sip coffee out of a, of a Disney mug. It just, you know, sets your day off right. So, yeah, it's a cool-looking uh, mug right there. Yeah, it is nice. So I, I thought so, too. Um, but, all right, enough about coffee mugs and uh, suckers and everything else. Let's dig into Chapter 6 this week. Mm-hmm. Um we're looking at uh, this phrase that Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. And Ryan, I just have to say this chapter is probably one of my favorites thus far. You know, mm-hmm. some of the, that, that we've had a lot of good chapters. Some have been more difficult and arduous than others. But this one I've especially liked. What do you think about it this week? It was very good. I agree with you. It is uh, I, Usually in books, I try to circle in the table of contents what the best ch- chapters are. And I, I immediately circled this one when I got done reading. It's been very good so far. Right. So basically this passage comes out of John 6, verse 30, 37. I'm going to read 35 through kind of the rest of the chapter, through the rest of the, uh, the paragraph there so you get a, a picture of it. Um, but it says here, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should not lose of all that he has given to me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, and everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and will raise, and I will raise him up on the last day. 
And so Jesus is, in essence, talking about this simple truth of, which is simple to say, but sometimes it's hard for our, our hearts to get there, that any who come to him, who God gives to him, he'll never cast out. Yeah. He'll never cast out. Ron, what do you think about that statement? Do you think it's hard for people to grasp that at times? Um, it absolutely is. Absolutely. That is a hard statement to grasp. And he's going to walk through um, John Bunyan here, who we get to talk about in a moment, um, and some of the reasons that that is so difficult to um, to grasp. Um, one thing that kind of stuck out to me about that is, um, like in many ways, when we first come to Christ, um, like when we come to Him that first time, when we first recognize our sinfulness and uh, really come to Christ for repentance and to be saved, you know, we, we kind of understand that Jesus isn't going to send us away when we do that. I think the hard part comes in kind of the second half of that, of continuing to come to Christ throughout our walk with Him. Um, as we continue to fail, as we continue to fall and to falter, and we really do think that at some point Jesus is just going to get tired of us, he's going to be done with us. And so I think we, as time goes on, we have more and more difficulty with coming to Christ, thinking he's going to cast us out, he's going to send us away. That's a good word, you know, and, and why why do you think, uh, i got two questions for you. I'm going to let you elaborate on Bunyan in a second, so I'll be okay. prepared for that. But first, why, why do you think that we, we struggle with that so much, the coming repeatedly to God? Yeah, and I wonder if it's just because, like, that is, like, that's what we do with one another. Yes. You know, yes. the more of, oh, the more someone kind of just um, is, is not loyal to you, the more someone stabs you in the back, the more reason someone gives you not to trust them. Like, mm-hmm. hey, we'll just stop trusting them. Like, that'll end a friendship. And, and um, oh, he even, Orland talks about that later in the chapter. Mm-hmm. That's kind of that's what we do with one another is, mm-hmm. is at some point you're going to run out of grace. You're going to run out of mercy from right. another, another person, another human being. That's just not true of Jesus Christ. And so I think it's kind of hard to get that in our mind, hard to understand mm-hmm. that framework of that. So, man, that, that is, that's a good word, and I, I, I agree. As you were saying that, that's kind of what I was thinking, and that's where I thought you'd probably go with mm-hmm. that, but just wanted to, to clarify and see. So, as we look at this week, we talk about John Bunyan, and John Bunyan t- tends to be, if I can say the name correctly, John <laughs> Bunyan tends to be more of a household name for a lot of us. Uh, he's one of those guys who, maybe we don't know a whole lot about him, but uh, we've heard that name before, and so can you tell us a little bit about Bunyan and what makes him kind of important to today and to this study? Yeah, and, and Bunyan's another Puritan. Like, we're getting just all kinds of Puritans throughout this book. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, we've talked about Thomas Goodwin. We've talked about John Owen. And uh, those were very kind of high-minded, kind of upper-class, very well-educated, smart men. Um, and that is the complete opposite of who Bunyan was. Really, Bunyan's a lot, a lot more like us. Right. Um, it's kind of how I would think of him. Bunyan was poor. Bunyan was uneducated. Uh, but Bunyan was still absolutely awesome. So Bunyan yes, is Pilgrim's yes. Progress guy. You know, that's probably his most famous work. Um, it's really, I think Ortland mentions this too, it's like the second best-selling book of all time after the Bible. And so that's the main way we know Bunyan. Um, but this, this kind of lesser-known work that we talk about in this chapter, Come and Welcome, to Jesus Christ is also by Bunyan, and he takes that one verse Connor read a second ago, John six thirty seven, and in great Puritan style takes that one verse and is just going to take, just dive into it and elaborate throughout an entire book, and so that's what uh, that's what we're getting at here with Bunyan. Wow, you know I think Puritans really, and this is just a little bit of a side note, but that ability to take one verse and to write hundreds of pages on it, I think how in the world could they have done that? 
how in the world could someone do that? But the truth is, those guys spent time in the Word. And as I preached on Psalm 1 a couple of weeks ago, I talked about Psalm 1, uh, verse 3, that talks about how man meditates, or those godly men meditate on his Word day and night. And so, you know, to, to be able to bring these to light, was a man who just lived with this verse, a man who just lived by this verse and lived with this verse, that no one would, um, that, that although others might cast him out, God wouldn't cast him out. And I believe that gives him a sense of security, too, um, because, you know, Bunyan was jailed for his faith, ultimately, for preaching the gospel. And so when we talk about casting out, you know, Bunyan's not just saying some kind of abstract thought. No, he had really tasted rejection in one of the most severe ways, and yet he, he realized in all of that, that that although the world might cast him out or although the world might even lock him up, so to speak, that Christ would never cast him out. And I love that about Bunyan. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely that, that kind of knowing Bunyan in his context definitely kind of adds some more color to what he's writing about here. That he, He's kind of writing from personal experience in some ways of knowing what it means to be cast out. Mm-hmm. Um, so what else stood out to you from this chapter? I appreciate how uh, Ortland takes uh, Bunyan's work and just um, really synthesizes it on page 60 and 61. Uh, it's worth kind of looking at those a couple of pages for application points out of this verse. You know, it would be worth uh, writing this verse down if you're trying to grow in, in this knowledge that God won't cast you out and take all of those things that, that basically Ortland synthesizes about Bunyan and write it kind of underneath there. So notice where it says, uh, there's a mountain of consoling theology packed into this verse. It's the start of the third kind of paragraph there, and then there's bullet points. It says, all, not most. Once the Father sets his loving gaze on a wandering sinner, that sinner's rescue is certain. And so once the Lord has his sights on you, um, you know, you're you're rescued. The Lord is going to rescue you and keep you and hold you, and it's nothing that you do that's going to change that. And then he moves in to talk about the Father. Our redemption is not a matter of a gracious son trying to calm down an uncontrollably angry father, but the Father himself, he ordains our deliverance, and he takes the loving initiative. And then it says that he gives, that the verse says that all that the Father gives me, uh, he doesn't haggle over them. And so it's the Father's deepest delight to freely entrust uh, rebels into the gracious care of his son. Um, He doesn't haggle over, he doesn't anything like that, but he gives. It says also that, uh, whoever w- to comes to me, whoever will come to me, uh, God's saving purpose for the sinner is never thwarted. And then we're not robots. While the uh, Father is clearly the sovereign overseer of our redemption, we are not dragged kicking and screaming into Christ against our will. And so, and, and then that last one's my favorite. And, it, it, you know, the second part of the verse, notice where it says, whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. And Ortland kind of elaborates on what uh, Bunyan really spoke to in that section. It says, we don't come to Christ we don't come to a set of doctrines, right? We sometimes think that when we come to church, we're ascribing to a set of beliefs, or we're uh, we're simply coming to church. Or and and he says we're not even coming to the gospel. No, and most truly, we we are coming to Jesus when we enter into a relationship with Him. That's what Christianity is to to come to Jesus Himself. And so, what a beautiful uh, point there. I think that's just a great great. If you're reading this for a devotional element, that's a great thing to meditate on and spend time with. So, it was awesome. Yeah, look, is it's just all these little bullet points right here, just marked up. Marked up. Me too. Uh, 
uh, notes beside them. Yeah, it, it is it's wonderful. And really, that's something in my own life I've been really working on. It's just um, kind of as, as I like to say, it's just to preach the gospel to yourself. You know, we love to share the gospel. We, we implore people to evangelize. But we also need to be sharing the gospel with ourselves. And so on Wednesday nights, it's one thing I've been trying to teach our students is we're really focusing in on, on the gospel and all that God is doing mm. um, through Jesus Christ. And really these six bullet points, I mean, they're just chock full of that gospel truth, just yeah. from beginning to end of all that God's doing in our hearts and in our lives. And so it's just wonderful to kind of read those and meditate on those about preaching the gospel to ourselves. Mm. What do you think about 62? It was really good as well, wasn't it? Yeah, I, I probably read that, that little... Um, quote section from Bunyan probably three or four times yeah because um, it, it was just that good isn't it does it I know it describes my inner dialogue with the Lord sometimes mm-hmm. I don't know about you but but as I was reading that it does describe for us that that inner dialogue that we have with God when we sin now first off I think we have to you know we want to kind of cut through the, the Puritan language here obviously they talked a little different than us but what does it mean when he says I will in no wise cast out yeah, and, and really, we can almost substitute wise with, with almost ways. You yeah, know, yeah. in no way cast out. But kind of the the underneath that, what's going on, and kind of the language of the New Testament in Greek, and I guess this is two weeks in a row we're getting into biblical language here, um, is this is kind of a double negative. And like in our language, in English, double negative's not good. They kind of cancel each other out. Um, but that's not so in Greek. The more negatives you stack up on top of each other, the more emphatic that negative um, and so, so it's like when you add an extra when you add an extra negative, it's like you add an exclamation point to the exactly, first negative. Kind exactly. Of right. So literally, as he says, this this verse is saying, "The one coming to me, I will not not cast out." And, and it's really just Jesus saying, "I will absolutely, in no way whatsoever, under any circumstance, cast out." I'm just trying to make it as clear as possible how how emphatic that not is. I just want to take a moment for the Christian and read um, all of these objections that we have to Christ when we think that sometimes Jesus is going to let go of our hand. Um, sometimes, then Bunyan says this, we say, but I'm a great sinner, but I'm an old sinner, but I'm a hard-hearted sinner, but I'm a backsliding sinner, but I have served Satan all of my days, but I have sinned against light, but I have sinned against mercy. But I have no good thing to bring with me. And in all those instances, Bunyan says, each and every time that Jesus says, there is absolutely no way that I'll cast you out. What a beautiful truth. See, on page 63, it also says, fallen anxious sinners are limited in their capacity to perceive Jesus for reasons for Jesus to cast them out. We, we just are factories of fresh reasons that Jesus will cast us out. Well, I messed this up. Well, I did do this. You know, Ryan, one of my, one of my biggest ones that I'll often say to the Lord is, well, I'm a, I'm a pastor. You know, at times I, I, I think, God, you know, I, I sin against you, and I'm a pastor. I should know better. I teach people to know better. And, and in that, you know, the Lord always says, um, I will in no way cast out. And so what a beautiful truth. I, I just, uh, I really enjoyed that. Yeah. So and um, and I love just how comprehensive this list of things are, um, of, of excuses we might come through. And the, really, the list could be much longer. But mm-hmm. Bunyan kind of does a good job of, of coming up with these different excuses that will come to Jesus with. Um, and I love how Ortland says, kind of at the top of sixty-two, um, that this word in no wise cuts through the throat of all objections, and it was dropped by the Lord Jesus Christ for that very end. 
and to help the faith that is mixed in with, with unbelief. And I think that's true of all of us. Our faith is mixed in with unbelief. And that, that comes from that story in Mark 9 of, of the father who brings his demoniac son to Jesus. And, and Jesus just says, if you'll believe, um, like I can cast this demon out. And that's the father's response. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. And I think that's just true of all of us. We believe and we still struggle with unbelief. And, and we see it in this list of excuses um, that, that we can come up with excuse after excuse after excuse for why mm-hmm. Jesus will cast us out. And every time uh, he says, in no way will I do that. Wow. That's so good. You know, another thing he brings up, too, is that sin is one of the biggest things that keep us from really a close relationship to the Lord because we believe he's just going to cast me out because of what I've done. But another one is suffering. Sometimes we we question the Lord and wonder, well, God, have you abandoned me because life is going bad right now or life is hard right now? And it says, I love this verse, as pain piles up, as numbness takes over, as the months go by, at some point, excuse me, the conclusion seems obvious. We have been cast out. Surely this is not what life would feel like for one who's been buried in the heart of a gentle and lowly Savior. But Jesus doesn't say that those with pain-free lives are never cast out. He says that those who come to Him are never cast out. He is the beautiful, perfect never changing truth in our story and so when we have difficulty in our lives the problem is you're going to change i'm going to change the way that sin tempts us and the way that we fall to those sins they're going to change our life circumstances are going to change the people around us are going to change but for those of us who are in christ we have this beautiful truth that no matter what happens he's always going to be with us Ryan, did you enjoy uh, on page sixty-five that that uh, that illustration that he made about his child? Mm-hmm. That one, I thought that was pretty was good great. too. Yeah. yeah, about the father. Um, yeah, again, it was just such a good chapter, and I love how he closes this note of you know he talks about the what that that Jesus will never cast us out mm-hmm. under any circumstance, but what about the why? Mm-hmm. And I love how he closes on that um, kind of the bottom of that first paragraph. But a text such as John six thirty-seven reassures us that this is not only a matter of divine decree but divine desire. That God doesn't cast us out, not just because he, he can't do that or because he, he has to kind of let us come in, but because he, he desires that. He desires to welcome us and to, to be with us and to stoop down and to be gentle and to be lowly towards us. And that um, he desires to never cast us mm-hmm. out. Or I guess we could say he doesn't desire to cast mm-hmm. us out. Um, so that's kind of the why behind it, the, the true heart of Christ. So you have to ask the question, and I'll conclude with this. you have anything else before I kind of conclude? That's it, yeah. You know, as I conclude this, I love how he talks about that the heart of Jesus is not a rental. Um, You know, Ryan, I don't know about you. You've talked about this before, that you absolutely despise moving, right? Mm -hmm. You despise moving. Um, And I do, too. When, uh, as many of you guys know that are watching this, I moved from, uh, really from Starkville to my parents' home to New Orleans dorm room to my parents' home again for a short time. Uh, to my friend's house in Madison as I started pastoring there, to an apartment, to Aaron's grandfather's apartment for a short time, to an apartment in Ridgeland, and finally to my house in Pearl. And it's something about a rental that you can be there, you can enjoy it, you can paint the walls, you can do all, you know, you can do all sorts of things, you can bring, bring your own furniture in. But there's really, as, as all of you know, just something about coming home to your own house and not having to worry about moving, but knowing that that house is going to be there and that house is yours. 
And so sometimes the reason that we don't sit down and set up shop and rest in this beautiful work that Jesus has done for us is because we um, we see Jesus and his heart for us as this rental, as a temporary thing, as something that's going to run out as soon as we can't pay the bill. And the truth is, Jesus is desires for us to come and reside and live in him, to abide in him, to know him, to understand that that all of life can be lived under his under his purview and in his in his way. And so for you today that are struggling, remember that Jesus will never, ever, ever cast you out. Uh, you don't have to be able to pay rent. You just need to to come to him because he is there for you and he watches over you and he's gonna he's gonna keep you. And only when we believe that can we really rest in this grace and this forgiveness and this relationship that God has for us. So Hope this encourages you this week. Uh, we've we've enjoyed this chapter. We're thankful to be able to spend some time with you guys week after week. And we'll be back next Sunday night at 6 o'clock. Thank you guys so much for being here. And I'm sure Ron will have a different mug. I probably will as well. And we'll see you guys next Sunday night. Have a great week.